Welcome back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we have another book club episode. So our book club today is Christmas at the Island Hotel by Jenny Colgan. So Leanne, do you want to give us a little bit of background about like the author and kind of like why we picked this book? Yeah, so I basically just got this off the author's slash publisher's website like I always do. But she is a Scottish writer who lives kind of north of Edinburgh with her dog, husband, and kids. And on her website, it listed her interests as liking cakes, Doctor Who, wearing Converse, and hot baths. And I personally think those are very solid interests. I agree. Although I haven't actually seen Doctor Who. But the other ones are pretty cool. I've never seen Doctor Who either, but I remember like back when I was in high school or middle school, like all of my friends were obsessed with Doctor Who. So I'm going to assume that it's a pretty good show. I was looking on her website and she's written a lot of books and I feel like pretty much all of them are in like that cozy, like chill vibe where I feel like if you just want a nice, like easy read, pick it up and it'll be a good time. Um, I also noticed a lot of them had to do like baking themes. So I also love that. I think that's a really good way to describe it too. Like, I feel like this book, we picked it because we wanted it to be like a cozy little like holiday read, you know? And I think it very much fit that. I remember when I was reading the book, I was like, oh, this feels like so cozy just to be like curled up and reading this book. So I think it definitely accomplished what we were looking for in the book. Yeah. So the book Christmas at the Island Hotel is actually the fourth book in a series, which makes sense because we just went into this book. We didn't read any of the others, but it did seem like there were established characters and like references to things that had happened, which I don't think you had to have read the other ones to read this one if you just want like a nice Christmas themed book. But if this one sounds interesting and you want the whole like backstory leading up to it, it might be helpful to start at the beginning because I feel like these are nice, easy reads that it wouldn't take you that long. I agree. And like for context, like we just picked this book up. We did not read the other ones. So if we could do it, you could do it too. So my brief little summary, which I feel like I like giving the summary before we discuss it, but I feel like we've also kind of struggled to make it concise. So I did put a few very broad bullet points. So this is like, I guess, like the Sparknotes version of the summary. And then we can just pick out other details as we go through it. Basically. Flora and Fintan are brothers and sisters, and they're working to open a new hotel on this remote island. And so then Isla is, I guess, a local in town, and she's hired to work at this hotel when it opens. And then there's also Constantine, and then Constantine's big secret, which, again, book club episode, spoilers, you know the deal, is that he's the son of a duke, and he's, like, super bougie, but he's also, like, just generally incompetent at life skills. And so his dad was like, you need to figure your stuff out. And so you basically have to go and work. So he is sent to this place to work in the kitchen. And another spoiler, they get together because, you know, cozy holiday book. What happens? There's a romance. Of course. And then there's that side plot with the doctor. Yes. So for this book, I feel like at first I felt like it was very slow and I think probably because it was like the first book in the series or not the first the fourth book in the series like you said um at first I was like who's who what's what and I was like very confused for like the first hour of listening because I listened to it on audiobook so did I oh really awesome so I think like in terms of 
listening to it, just know that if you choose to do the audiobook and you haven't read the other ones, you might be a little bit confused. But don't worry, it will start to sort itself out. Because I remember like for the first little chunk of time, like I was very frustrated because I was like, I can't keep any of these people straight. Like what's going on right now? And it was a little frustrating to me. But I think like after you get over that like first hour, things really start to fall into place. So like just be patient with this book. It'll 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 come around. You'll get there. I think you're right. I think I did have trouble getting into the book because I think I remember at one point just thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. This seems kind of like a little bit of a slog to get through because I think there's like references like, for example, to like how Fintan got this hotel and like why he was like trying to open it, even though he didn't seem to really like anything to do with it. So I feel like once you figured that stuff out and like you said, learn the names, it's not too bad. Yeah. And I think it definitely like gave me those cozier vibes. Like I think especially halfway into the end, like I was very much like, okay, this has become like a much easier listen. Like I'm enjoying this a lot more. And so I think it's just getting through that like initial beginning and then it'll like start to get a lot better. Just don't knock this book if you are having a hard time getting into it at first, because I promise you, you will come around. I think you'll probably like it. So one thing that I would like to discuss that's just kind of light and fluffy and I thought it was amusing was there was a line in the book at some point that was talking about decorating like the one side of the tree because that's all people can see. And I think about that because every year when I'm decorating a tree, you're like at the back of the tree that's like against or like facing the wall. It's like nobody's going to see this. So it's like that thing where either it's like, do you put nothing there or do you put like the quote ugly ornaments there? Like, what do you do with the back of your tree? Oh, this is a very good question. For us personally, like my family, we've always put our uglier ornaments towards the back of the tree. But I do have to say the back of our tree is much more sparsely decorated than the front. What about you? That's good then, because then it means there's not many ornaments that you don't like. Um, I think we used to do that same thing where it's like the ones you didn't like as much or the ones that looked like kind of weird. Like, I don't know. I feel like there were some where like it was supposed to be, say, like a reindeer or snowman, but he looked like a little off. I think those would go in the back. But recently, my mom's gotten into just doing bulbs. So she'll get like different textured, like I think they're like all red, but different textured bulbs. So they're all kind of like there's no like ugly one. So I think we just put them all over. I guess like prioritize the front and then if there's extras, like put some on the back. This is going to be kind of a controversial topic, I think. Would you ever give your tree a color scheme? I mean, I guess it kind of does have one. My mom basically just decided one year that she like likes the Christmas bulbs and just put them all on. And so they're all one color. So are they all like red? Yeah, red. Oh, okay. Well, I feel like that's like pretty classy. Like, I don't know. I kind of like it. I was telling my parents when I got my Christmas tree because my grandma passed down her Christmas tree to me. I was telling them that um, I want to have like a color coordinated Christmas tree. I was like, I want like red and gold. And that's it. Yeah, I like that. I'm here for it. I think the colors are nice. Do you know what is kind of a pain to get off of your tree, though, is tinsel, especially if you break it off the sheets, like, you know how some people like tear it off the sheets and you toss it on. Some people apparently keep it like on a little sheet thing and then they just wrap it around, which is probably how you're supposed to do it. But one year we had tinsel and we had a real tree and then we had to take down all the tinsel at the end because we would uh, compost our tree, if you will. Yeah. And that was a lot of work. I don't think we ever put tinsel on. We have fake cranberries 
Like they're just kind of like these red beads that are like they're strung together, but they don't have like holes in them. I don't know. They have like very little holes. It's not like that's a terrible description. But there's those. Then there's Christmas lights. And then my mom also has some like pine cones that she shellacked way back in the day. And we put those on. That sounds really cute. I feel like it's always so interesting to see how people approach their tree because I feel like you can tell a lot about like somebody's personality from how they approach it, right? Because I feel like if you've got like the color coordinated and like it looks like it could be a tree from a store, like you're very type A, I feel like is the vibes I get off of you. But if you're somebody who's like, we have all these ornaments that we've cobbled together over the years, like I look at that and I'm like, you're probably more laid back. I think it's also kind of fun, like, if you ever had the space and the money to do two, because you know how people have like a formal living room sometimes, and then they have a family room with like where the TV is. I feel like that way you could have both trees, like the nice put together, like themed tree, and then the fun, like family sentimental ornament tree. And then you get both. That is true. I think that might be one of my goals one day is to have a house that has a front formal family room and then like a family family room. Mm hmm. That would be nice. Maybe one day I'll be able to afford a house like that. Real estate. Real estate, yeah, especially in these times. Who are we kidding? All right, maybe we should go back to the book, but that was a nice little tangent. I liked that. I do have one more. I do have one more question before we return to the purpose of this episode. Okay. I feel like we might have talked about this, but if you had a choice, real or fake trees? Ooh. See, like, this is a hard question for me to answer because, like, I grew up with real trees all throughout, like, being a kid. I don't know. Just personally, I feel like I like a real tree because it smells like Christmas. You got to take care of the tree. It's like having an extra plant in your house. But I think for the sake of, like, not deforesting, I think I'd say fake. I'm firmly in real tree. I refuse to get a fake tree. One. There are Christmas tree farms that literally like grow the trees for Christmas. So I feel like I'm not chopping down a forest for it. In theory, I don't know if that like that's how it works in practice. But I'm like, if they're being grown for being a Christmas tree, I feel like it's not the same thing as like walking into the woods and cutting down a pine tree. And also, I think it's what you said is the nostalgia. Like I've always had a real tree and I feel like the smell, you know, the smell that's associated makes it so Christmassy. and. I know some people complain about the pine needles, but I'm like, what? It's like three weeks of your life. You can sweep. Yeah, it's really not bad. I don't know. I agree with you that like the real tree is nice, but I think in terms of like, I think in terms of like real tree versus fake tree, I think it's also, it kind of depends on the person, right? Like for example, for us to be able to say like real tree versus fake tree, like you have to have the money to spend on a tree year after year. They're expensive. They are, and they're only getting more expensive. Like, they're like $100. Like, dude, for like a nice tree. Okay, you know what I think is really cute is I've seen them. Like, they're those like Christmas trees, but like they're mini. They're like the tabletop size, which I think is really great. Like, let's say if you're in an apartment and don't want to lug a tree up like three flights of stairs, or if you're like old and like, don't want to manage a whole big tree or if you're young and don't want to manage a whole big tree i feel like they're like a more a way to have a real tree in a more manageable size i could definitely see that 
I know like for my grandparents, because they're older, they no longer put up like Christmas trees, right? But what they do is they have these little like ceramic trees from like the 70s. And they'll put out their little ceramic Christmas tree that has like the little colored lights on it. I'm like, oh my gosh, y'all are adorable. I can't. I feel like my grandma had one of those. I feel like it's just required. Like all grandmas have them. Yeah, apparently they were like super trendy a couple years ago. They were going for like hundreds of dollars online. Wow. But um, book-wise. Book-wise. Um, oh, one other thing I really wanted to talk about that I loved from this book was Bjark. Yes. Just his name. I'm just like, Bjark was like a pivotal character in this book. <laughs> he was like one of the turning points that made me really like this book. Because I thought his name was so clever. I just, I loved it so much. I did too. And I also love the scene when like, they're trying to have like these fancy dinners or whatever. And then he's just like running through the kitchen, running through the dining room. Chaos. Pure chaos. He's a pivotal character. I like that they've like really tied him into the book. Like it was not just like a passing, like he took him out on the roof to have him go pee. It was like a, nope, he comes back again and again. Which I liked, because otherwise they'd be like, oh, so he brought his dog there, and then we never saw the dog again. Exactly. I think it was, it was very nice. I was a big fan of, of Bjarne. I guess next, I want to discuss the whole doctor. So there's a doctor in town, and he came from Syria with his two children, but left his wife behind because of, like, I think it was, like, the war. I don't remember if that was exactly when they left. But that was fine. That part's fine. I'm like, okay, cool. I just thought the whole side plot with the wife was, like, a little unnecessary. Yeah, I agree with that statement. I think it was just, like, kind of out of left field, you know? And I don't know if it was because the author was trying to make sure that everybody had, like, some sort of, like, love interest, right? Because, like, he had his own love interest. But it did kind of just feel, like, out of left field. Like, it was, like, I don't know. And maybe it was, like, to pull on your heartstrings a little because, like, it was a little bit more heartfelt than like some of the other relationships that were going on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, because I'm going to be honest with you. I did not listen super closely to that part of the plot. Like I said, I felt like it was kind of like out of left field. And I was like, I what's going on here? Like, I was mostly trying to follow the Isla and Constantine because I felt like that was like the main thing that was going on. And when that other stuff popped up, I was like, it seems like this guy has to me. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. It seemed like he had something going on with one of the ladies who lived in the town. He did. And like they mutually had feelings for each other. But then he was like, oh my gosh, but wait, I still have a wife. And I was just like, man, like, I don't want to get emotionally invested in this story because like it kind of feels like cheating. So I just don't want to get emotionally invested in this story. And I was just like, and I'm just not listening as closely. Yeah. I mean, I think the island Constantine was kind of like the main plot line. And then there are all these other like little romances. Like, I feel like Florence and Fenton were kind of like their whole family story was like kind of another major plot line. Um, I feel like there was a lot of actually like subplots in this. There were. There were a surprising amount. Do you know what I did like, though? Was Gaspar, who I always wanted to call Gaston. Literally, I was talking to Long about this book. I was like, oh my gosh, like there's this guy and his name is either Gaston or Gaspar and I can't remember which one it is. Yeah, he was funny. He was very funny. He found love too. I know. I actually really liked that relationship. I thought it was like very cute and like kind of funny. I just, I loved it. 
Yeah. So, Isla and Constantine, do you ship them? <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm just not entirely sure like why they got together other than just like proximity to each other which I guess is fair because like sometimes that does happen right like you're near somebody all the time then you're like oh I kind of have feelings for you right sometimes that does happen but like I don't know it just it was fine but I didn't love it I think it was kind of see for the longest time I thought they were just gonna be friends Because I feel like it would be the type of thing where like, oh, they could be friends. But I think it's like you said, where in terms of their romance, it seemed more like, oh, I think he's attractive. And then he's like, oh, I think she's attractive. And then they get together. Yeah, it seemed like there wasn't many like deeper reasons, like commonalities or like hobbies that made them get together. It seemed like it was more so like a proximity thing, which again, is fine because like that happens, excuse me, sometimes. But like, I kind of figured that they were going to get together, especially after that first scene where she walked into his room and had to, like, get his butt down to the kitchen. I was like, oh, this is going to be a love interest. Yeah. This is sounding like a romance book. It's going to be the love interest. I think it was kind of funny, though, especially at the beginning, just hearing. It also kind of frustrated me hearing about Constantine's just general incompetence, like how he wasn't able to do anything. Yeah, like he couldn't cut potatoes or onions or whatever it was at all. Do you know what it reminded me of? Have you ever seen that video of Kylie Jenner and the cucumber? Where she's like, her arms are all twisted. Yes, and she's trying to cut the cucumber. And she's like trying to be all relatable. And like, oh, I'm making myself a little snack. And she doesn't know how to cut the cucumber. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this girl has had to do nothing in her life. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Which, like, I'm sure she's had to do, like, other things, like, businessy things. But I'm like, you've never cut yourself some fruit or vegetables a day in your life. I feel like it's not just, like, if someone doesn't know how to say, like, cut an onion. I think, pretty sure they were onions. Like, Constantine. I feel like it's like, not only have you never done it, but you've never seen somebody do it. Yes. Because it's, like, it's such a simple thing. Like, it's not really that hard. I don't know. Like, it was very funny to me. It definitely gave off the vibes that Constantine was supposed to give off, I think. But I do think that at times his incompetence got a little frustrating listening as somebody who, like, actually has to take care of themselves. Yeah, I think it is kind of interesting. But then, I mean, I guess there are people like that out there. I'm just not responding because I'm, like, lost for words. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure that there are people like that out there. I just, how? Just how? How do you go through your whole life and not learn how to cook for yourself? Yeah. Which I don't know. Maybe it's just because of my own personal interest. It's like, I feel like cooking can be a, a hobby, even if you don't, like, I don't know. Say you're super rich and fancy and have a personal chef. But if you like cooking, I feel like you would cook something for yourself every now and then. I feel like if somebody is super rich and fancy i feel like they'd be more likely to take up baking than cooking Mm. i don't know it's just the vibes i get because i feel like baking is more of like a cozy activity and it's like as long as you measure everything right and follow the instructions you're not going to mess it up whereas cooking's like more gray if you will i think it's because baking is posed as a hobby Like, it's presented as a hobby, where I feel like cooking can be a hobby, but it's not always presented that way. Like, oh, cooking's my hobby because everybody has to cook at some point if you want to eat. 
So like I feel like there's a line like some people are cooking because they need to because you need dinner and then like not everyone's doing it as a hobby. Whereas baking is like you don't really need to do it unless you want to. That's true. I could see that. So would you consider yourself more of a baking person or a cooking person? I'm a cooking person. Every time I bake, I get frustrated. Really? Yeah. I love baking. Maybe it's because it's presented more as a hobby, so I view it more as a hobby. But like, I would take baking over cooking any day. I think it's also because it's like I don't have to do it that much. So it's more like relaxing. Plus, at the end, you have something sweet to eat, which is not good for you. But also, tastes delicious. I think that's the difference, too. Whereas like, I enjoy sweet, but I could like take it or leave it. Whereas if I bake, then first of all, I get frustrated when I do it. Then afterwards, I'm like, oh, well, now I need to make dinner, but I'm over it. That's true. I feel like also one of the issues with baking is if you're baking, usually you have to bake for like an event because otherwise you've got so much. That's true. The only time that I'm like, I bake and I'm like, this is sufficient for me and one or two other people and it could last like for a while is like if I make like banana bread, that's like the one thing that I'm like, all right, like this is manageable. It's fine. But like if I bake cookies, if I bake cakes, anything in that vein. I'm always like, man, like this is a lot to have. I think that's part of the reason I don't like baking is because sometimes you do it because you want a cookie. But then now you're like, I have to eat like three cookies a day for the next week. Yeah. And the thing is, too, like with the cookies and stuff, I feel like what's frustrating is a lot of the times like those single serving cookies are not that good. They're not the same. Yeah. There's a blue jay in the feeder. I know. I, I heard it from afar. I heard it from many miles away. Mr. Blue Jay has made his first Selenials podcast appearance. Wow. Does he come often? Yeah. Now I'm just distracted. That's kind of cute, though. I wish that I had like a bird feeder or something. Dude, do you know what I've been thinking about? So I've got a tree that's like kind of close to my window, right? And like, I've been growing my plants outside, obviously not currently because it's been snowy and cold, but like over the summer. You've had snow? Oh my gosh, yeah. We've had like four days of snow. I want snow. I would love to get a lot of snow. If we get a lot of snow, we do remote days, which is fine. You know, like, I don't mind it. Like, remote days are all right. To me, it's just as good as a cancellation because like, in law school, when they cancel, they just reschedule the class. And usually it makes it more of a convenience because then you have like extra class one week. Whereas if you just do a remote day, then you stay on schedule and you don't have to make anything up. But you also don't have to go anywhere. And that's really what I want. Yeah. Do you know what? Okay, this is like totally off topic. But I was talking to either my boyfriend or my brothers about this. But I can't remember who it was. I was talking about like if I owned my own company what I would do. And I was like, you know, if I own my own company and it was snowing out, I think I'd just tell like my employees that if we were expecting more than like one inch of snow, I'd just be like, as long as we don't have any critical meetings, work from home today. I'd just be like, flexible policy, but like nobody wants to be driving for forever in this weather and I don't want you to get hurt. So like work from home on days where the weather is going to be bad. Yeah. And I feel like it's not that bad like i feel like as long as places like understand that like power outages can exist it's like why not just stay home exactly i mean like usually even with the snow usually we don't have power outages like in the area that i live in 
And so I'm just like, it'd probably be fine. Oh, see, sometimes the snow takes down a tree and then the tree takes down a power line. Mm, that makes sense. I don't know if the like I don't know if the type of snow you get causes that issue where you are, but that can happen around here. I think for us, like we have some power lines that are above ground, but we have a lot of power lines that are buried. Mm, that makes a difference. Yeah, so I feel like it's not quite as big an issue. Um, just because like a lot of the power lines are like buried rather than above ground. But anyway, um, we're in a book club episode. Uh, yeah, we are. What did you think of Agate? <laughs> she's annoying and she's a little brat. And I think that they shouldn't have gotten her the ice skates or uh, Constantine shouldn't have because she was being such a brat to her parents about not getting ice skates. And then he came along and just gave her exactly what she wanted. And then she was like, oh, like the school girls at school is going to be so jealous of me. And I'm like, this child, I cannot handle this child. Yeah, Agate was a little much. She was honestly brattier than Constantine, which is surprising. <laughs> I mean, also Constantine's like a full grown human. So like maybe he should have been more mature. But I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, she was definitely kind of bratty. I'm not going to lie, for part of the book, I was like, is she related in some capacity to Constantine? Because she just seems like what I would imagine like quasi-royalty would be like. Yeah, she definitely had that vibe. I could imagine her as a little like princess or something somewhere. Yeah, she was very, very spoiled. Also, it made me very sad that she was like that because recently... I've really been into moss agate rings, which are like a specific type of ring. But because her name is Agate, every time she would come up, I would think of it. And I was like, dang it, I don't like her. I need to look these up now. They're really cool. They look like they're like a clear stone and they've got like what looks like moss coming through it. It's really pretty. <gasps> Aren't they pretty? I've been like Ooh. obsessed lately. I'm like, oh, they're so cute. They apparently sell them as engagement rings. They do, but you're not really supposed to get them for engagement rings. I think like they're not hard enough for like everyday wear. What do they do? They'll like scratch or chip. Oh. I do not want one with an engagement ring, FYI. For those listening, I am not at that current stage in my life. You're not dropping hints? No, I'm not dropping hints. So at my boyfriend, this is not me dropping hints. Please do not mistake it. I have a side tangent about that. But um, I just think that they're pretty. I'm like, I'd really like one. And like, they're not that expensive in terms of like a pretty ring. Like they're definitely like a little bit more than like the cheap ones that you get at like Claire's or something. Right. But like, they're not like outrageous where it's going to be like thousands of dollars. Like you can find a nice one for like 50 to 100 bucks. So I really like them. I think that they're very pretty. But anyways, my little side tangent is one time offhandedly my boyfriend was like he was he and I were talking about like weddings and stuff and I was like oh if I ever wanted to get engaged you'd know because I would just be dropping hints like all the time so anytime I say something that could be taken as a hint but is like I'm actually not ready I just straight up have to tell him this is not a hint FYI just so you know this is not a hint but isn't this ring pretty exactly <laughs> So anyways, I think they're very cute. But every time Agate came on, that was all I could think of. Also, 
I think this might have been an issue of like listening to the audiobook. It took me so long, and I don't even know if I fully have an answer now. Um, whose child is she? I don't even know. No idea. Because I kept thinking she was Flora's child, but then I don't think Flora, the baby, I think was Flora's first child. So I don't know who Agate belongs to. Somebody in the town. Agate is someone's. That's all we know. But I feel kind of bad because I feel like in this book review, we made it sound like we didn't like the characters or didn't like the book. But I feel like overall, like I did like this book. Overall, not bad. Yeah, I think I did too. I just don't have any... I mean, I did read it a while ago. I don't remember when I finished it. Let me see. What's this? My notes that I had on it were last updated on the 7th. So it's been a, it's been a minute. I finished the final 3% this morning before we recorded on like 1.5 speed. Ooh. See, I had 12 minutes left. And then I think some... I don't know what happened. But then it got re- like auto-returned. And I'm not convinced if I actually listened to the last 12 minutes or not. I can't remember. Well, spoiler for the last 12 minutes. Isla's all worried that Constantine is going to leave her. Constantine's like, I'm going back to visit my family, but then don't worry, I will be back. And he's like, do you want to come with me when I go to visit my family? And that's how it ends. I think I did hear that because I kept thinking, I'm like, um, okay, I guess they knew each other. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, did he even know her long enough to be like, hey, come visit my royal palace? No. And then like, oh, also Constantine's whole family and like, Everybody, including his arch nemesis, I believe, show up to the hotel to get like waited upon. And they're like, wow, we're so proud of you. It was very wholesome. Very cute. Okay. Like, I think like you said, it made it sound like we aren't interested in the book, but I was looking at the names of some of her other titles. Like there's stuff about like the cupcake shop and stuff like that. I was like, I would read that. I know. So overall, I would give this book a recommendation. I think it's like a nice little like holiday read. I think it's, it's cute. It'll take you a little bit to get into it, especially if you haven't read the other ones. But it's cute. I, I did appreciate it. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a good book. I don't think I've read that many holiday books, but I feel like there's two vibes, like kind of like with holiday movies. There's like the like rom-com vibe and then the like, Hallmark movie, I'm trying to be serious, but also like still kind of rom com y vibe. And I feel like this was more in the like, it wasn't like a pure holiday romance. You know what I mean? Yes. I do know what you mean. Because there were like some more serious points, but it was like overall, it was like light. Yes. I also just wanted to point out when I was digging around on the website that her website has recipes. And there is a festive Christmas punch that is, like, themed with a book if anybody wants to look it up and make it. Well, that's kind of cute. I like that. I dropped it in the outline in case you want to see. <laughs> I love when books come with little recipes or they're about cooking. But, yeah. Overall, thanks for joining us. Our next book club is going to be Murder on the Orient Express, and that will be dropping on January 2nd. We hope you enjoyed our book club discussion on Christmas at the Island Hotel by Jenny Colgan. If you had any thoughts on the book, feel free to share with us. You could also send us future holiday reads that maybe we could get into next year. You know, advanced planning never hurt anybody. Feel free to send those over to our email or on Instagram. And don't forget to rate Zillennials Podcasts on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at Zillennials Podcast on Instagram or email us at Zillennials Podcast at gmail.com. 
feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.